little while. Sex bombs, Steve Vines, how are you? Yeah, well, I'd like to be my usual cheerful self, but yeah. I mean, we're sitting in a nice air-conditioned studio while Kevin Lau is in a hospital recovering from very, very serious stabbing wounds. Kevin Lau, of course, is the former editor of Ming Bao, who was attacked yesterday by unknown assailants, two of them. Now, the question, of course, is, why was he attacked? Is this part of a pattern? Is this part of a black terror that is key, which is creeping up in, in the Hong Kong media? Well, first of all, it has to be said that his attack is not an isolated event. I mean, the complacent uh, statement by our friend Cyril, the chief executive, who went to the hospital and said, oh, this sort of thing doesn't happen in Hong Kong. Well, it does. Well, it does. I mean, it happened to, for example... Death threats against Martin Lee and um, Jimmy Lai, the publisher of the uh, Apple Daily and Next magazine. It happened to Chen Ping of Sun Affairs. It happened to Lung Tin Wai from Surprise Weekly. Um, there was an attack on Albert Ho, who was then at the time leader of the Democratic Party. There is a level of violence. And you know what? It all comes from one side. All of the people who've been attacked... Uh, including Albert Chang, we should also add to that list, have all been very outspoken critics of the government. So you have to ask yourself, when these people crop up and say, and this is, I just feel sticky, sick in my stomach about this, when these people crop up and say, oh my goodness, Hong Kong's going to get a bad reputation for violence if, say, Occupy Central. Yeah, it puts it in perspective, on. doesn't Let's it? Let's look at what's actually happened. Let's look at where the violence actually occurs. It occurs from one side of the fence only. Now, in the case of Kevin Lau, and I'm not even going to vaguely try and be objective, I've known him for oh, over two decades, here is a man who was editing a newspaper, which has done in under his editorship, which incidentally only lasts for two years before he was fired, right. has, has done a remarkable job. Um, it, uh, among other things, it, it uncovered the um, uh, Henry Tang basement saga, or if I should say Henry Tang's wife's basement saga, because, of course, he wasn't involved in it, as we now know. But I think more importantly, uh, and a number of other things Ming Pao has done, but, of course, the, 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 the investigation, which is really crucial and has upset a great many very influential people... And will continue to do so. Indeed, is an investigation that um, Ming Bao has done in association with other worldwide newspapers into the overseas assets of leading Chinese Communist Party members. This is a subject beyond sensitive. Now, whether that is directly linked to this attack, we don't know. And do you know what? I don't think we will ever get conclusive proof of this because there's a very clear pattern that happens after these attacks. There's two, well, one, usually there's two assailants involved, um, you know, sort of communal garden triads or low-lifes from across the border. In one case, it was a couple of low-lifes from Taiwan. They get arrested, not many of them. Most of these cases that I just mentioned are unsolved. Nobody's been arrested, nobody's been charged. But even if they are, what happens is the police then say, oh, case solved. But I don't think it is case solved because they get the hand that took, took the action, you know, the hand with the chopper. But the people behind it, not in one single case has that person 
been revealed or those people been revealed or that organization been revealed. One of the reasons for this is the way they operate is they, they do a system of two cutouts. So um, the real perpetrators of these attacks, the people who order the attacks, then find a middleman to contact the lowlifes who carry out the attacks. So at best, the lowlifes will just know the middleman. They won't know the originator. But, you know, that's why we have one of the largest police forces in the world per capita. It's to look into that. And why is it that on no occasion that I know of, on no occasion, I've got to stress this, have we ever found out who is the true perpetrators of these attacks? Could it be, and, you know, the, the answer to this rhetorical question seems rather obvious, but could it be that actually they don't really want to know? I mean, this is a very, very serious situation. If there is a growing black terror against opponents of the government, and if it is going to result in people being chopped on the streets, and you have a complacent government, as you saw on full display yesterday, saying this sort of thing doesn't happen in Hong Kong. Oh, and by the way, we, we strongly condemn it. Uh, yeah, strongly I want to ask you about it. something. S Steve has experienced something similar himself, all but all but naming a fellow concerned. Remember, I just want to know what's going through your head when you did that thing in Spike all those years ago and you all but named a fellow who was, who was issuing some threats. Right? You remember the whole story? Yes. And I remember there was a shadow on the cover of Spike. Yes. Now, what was going through your head when you, you know, should we, shouldn't we, how much can we... Well, I and mean... Fill us in the, on the, the story, the, the, reason, the, the, the reason that we didn't um, name names is simply because we didn't have the goods. And um, this is the problem. I mean, you know, Hong Kong quite rightly has laws of libel. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, you have to be mindful of that. But I think... Um, I, and this is really common to all of these um, characteristics. Uh, sorry, this is common to all of these cases. Mm. Um, is that, you know, it is in their nature that it's very, very hard to name names, but you should, and it is the purpose of having a vigilant media, what's called a free media, it's the mm. purpose of that, to make people aware of the fact that this is happening. If it was possible to name names, I can guarantee to you we would have done it, and I think other media outlets would have done it as well. You came as near as you possibly could. I mean, top, top marks to the boys at Spike at the time. Can you just remind us what that was all about? Um, this was... Threats. Well, I don't know which... I mean, we, we actually cover more than one of these stories. There was one know. real... I mean, it's a long time ago, and yes. I just chucked this at Steve. I just remember the cover. It was a shadow of a bloke, basically saying, here's Mr X. It was, the, it was very... Um, what's the word? Symbolic. Yes. I, to be honest... It'll come back to To be us. absolutely honest with you, I can't remember what that particular... Um, it was about threats, anyway, yes, suffice to say. Yes, it was about say. that... Um, I mean, I have to say that after my experiences as uh, uh, being editor at Eastern Express, yeah. I had, um, and I'm very grateful to the police for this, but I, 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 I received a lot of threats, um, and uh, the police were very cooperative in offering high-profile policing of my house while this was going on. I was pretty sure, as were they, as to where these threats were coming from. How did they come? Um, mainly in telephone calls. Wow. And people showing up. I, I live in a fairly isolated area, so odd people turning up is 
um, <laughs> is rather more noticeable than if you live in the middle of the town. But uh, when I contacted the local police station, they, they were, in fact, uh, they were very sh- sure that the source of these threats were, were, was local. Yeah. And they, they had as clear an idea as I did who was the source of them. But they said the best way of deterring them is to make sure that there is a high-profile police presence um, on your premises, which they did. They put a police box there, they did many things, which... Uh, and in the end, it, it stopped. Well, this is interesting, because... But, a- I mean, but I don't think it's practical. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a terribly minor player in all of these things. They're, they're much more prominent people. But I don't think it's practical to have every government critic... <laughs> under police protection i mean this first of all is logistically not possible it will it, i mean obviously the government isn't going to allow such a thing to happen but on the other hand if there was the smallest chance that in after in the wake of one of these attacks and hopefully it would be in the wake of the kevin Lau attack the government would um mobilize the police and say this time this time boys we need to know who was behind it. I don't think that pressure has been exerted on the police, and if it has, they sure as hell have, have failed to produce the goods. Won't this open some kind of Pandora's box? I mean, that's what everybody's thinking. Well, that's what everybody's thinking and fearing, because, um, you know, the, the whole point of these sort of attacks is to create a black terror atmosphere, to say to people in the media, you investigate the wrong people, in quotes... You investigate the wrong people, you delve into their affairs, Mm. and there's a price to be paid for that. I think one of the remarkable things of the Hong Kong media is that while the people who own the media in Hong Kong are not only intimidated, but are very, um, shall we say, flexible, the people who work in it seem to have an extraordinary determination not to be intimidated. So... By and large, the people who get attacked are the ground troops and not the bosses. In this case, I mean, Kevin now was was a boss in the sense that he was the editor of the paper before he was kicked out onto a or kicked aside into another job. But um, let, let let's see how that pans out. It 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 honestly, I, I can't tell you the shock that I felt. I know a lot of people did because I spoke to a lot of people yesterday when we heard that news, and you know, I. I, I just want to say something personally about Kevin Lau. He's he's a, um, <laughs> you know, every, everybody has a seedy background. He, his training was as a lawyer. And he, he went into journalism um, after uh, completing a law degree. And he's a very, he's also incidentally quite slightly built. So he, he doesn't look in any way like an aggressive person. He's extremely mild and inoffensive personally. The idea that this is because he had some bitter personal enemy is too absurd to give any kind of decent airtime to. People who've worked with him speak extremely highly of him. When I first knew him, he was an assistant in... This is a long time ago. He was an assistant in Martin Lee's office, you know, one of those uh, LegCo assistants. Extremely helpful, extremely diligent. And... Um, he became the editor of Ming Bao because people recognised very strong qualities of integrity in him. And that seems to be why he was deposed as chief editor, because strong qualities of integrity are not valued by the people who currently own that newspaper. It's very bad. 
obviously lots of people saying lots of things yesterday, just checking out you know, social media, lots of good comments, whatever you say, whether you agree or not. I was um, yet again, I don't know if moved is the right word, but tons of Chinese characters saying my town is dead, dying, blah, 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 you know, in English too. But the amount, the volume of mm. Hong Kong mm. kids and people who were saying, I've had it, my place is dead, eject. Unfortunately, it, ta it takes an event like this um, to to produce that kind of response. Unfortunately, what what usually happens is the response spikes and then it goes away, and people say, "Yeah, I noticed oh, well, that." You know, yeah, so that's very bad. Uh, oh, but will this, thing? Steve? Because the timing is it's. Really I don't know. I don't. Time. I don't know. I mean, will this disappear? I I hope not. In the sense that, um, you know, first of all, I think like everybody else, I hope that Kevin recovers uh, from his injuries but i uh, lamentably i think the reason why it won't disappear is because there's now become a pattern of this kind of activity and i very much fear that this isn't the last one that we'll see what can realistically be done lots of people think there's a great big red hand hovering over us here in hong kong okay what what can they do it's a very small place uh, there's a word that sums it up backbone Oh, yeah. What you need from the people who control the security services and the police force in Hong Kong is backbone to go and say, don't do this on our patch. So, anyway, it was the budget yesterday. We were sat in here riveted to the television. Nice bit of action from Leung Kok Hung, who legged it down and got bundled by some security guards. It was just straight out of the 18. In, in an unprecedented move yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> but and also apparently mr jung had to stop um, stop it going on for a little while because there was sort of knocking sound from coming from under one of the benches yes yes i mean um we have to be careful how we phrase all of this <laughs> but um let, let me put it this way albert ho who who um unlike me has mastered the ipad apparently had um tasteful images of uh persons of the female gender in um how can I put it, light clothing yep. that he was busily intent on looking at while John Jung was droning through his speech. Now, whether this was a good idea, I think, might be um, questionable. Did you, um, did, you, did you hear any of it yesterday? No. I mean, look, these people are human. No, I've got... I've got <laughs> I have sleeping tablets at home. I don't need to turn on the budget. I mean, the whole point about the budget is that there's no point to the budget whatsoever. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, uh, first of all, there's no point in listening to the budget because they already have the document in front of them so they can read it. Yeah. But, and, of course, the financial secretary never departs from the script. The script is written by a bunch of bureaucrats who, who are enemies of the light touch or any touch whatsoever. No, take my wife, please, jokes. And, you know. <laughs> you're, you're back to Henry Tang again. <laughs> um, stop it. Um, but um, where wasn't I? Oh, that's right. Yes, the budget. Yes, God, it's so easy to forget, although it was so long ago yesterday. But the point is, this is a typical... Uh, um, this is a typical concoction of a bunch of bureaucrats. Now, you may say, well, that's what government's about. But actually, that's not what government's about. The leaders of the government are supposed to put their bureaucrats in order and say to them, you know, when you do your wish list for the year, I will form it into a coherent strategy, which sometimes is, a.k.a. a budget. But in, in Hong Kong, and particularly under John Jung, what you get is this sort of, potpourri of 
a bit here, a bit there, mainly of plans that never get realised. I mean, you remember the, the, the great medical insurance plan, that's got, oh, that's right, nowhere. The only plans that ever <clears throat> get off the ground, oh, and there's a new plan for a something something innovation uh, um, technology yeah, blah 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 i mean the, all the rest of them have failed but hey ho it doesn't matter the only plans that actually get going are these mega vanity mega, i love projects. the use of that word well that's what they are they're big stuff you know billions and billions of dollars worth of concrete poured over the bridge to nowhere the building to somewhere the the road to anywhere the road to anywhere <laughs> the destruction of the harbour side destruction of the countryside all of these things actually happen but for the rest of it it's a hodgepodge it isn't a coherent strategy towards anything so this year the strategy of the budget was Oh, I've forgotten already, but it doesn't matter because it won't happen. And then what happens to make sure that the thing disintegrates into total farce is year after year after year, the financial secretary, who apparently is called John Jung, makes a forecast that, you know, this terrible thing will happen the next year. And then it doesn't. He says, it's a triumph. My forecast last year is now wrong and we haven't gone into deficit. Or it's a triumph. I said that such and such would happen and now we've got X billion more. No, no, Mr. Jung, this is not a triumph. It's called a mistake. You know, if you think that two and two makes five, your maths aren't good. Two and two actually makes four. So when you've discovered that you can get five out of two and two, it's not a triumph. It's bad, bad planning, bad stats. This is amazing. I'm not, incidentally, I'm not a statistical genius, but I can do the two and two sum. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of uh, an absolute classic piece of television drama. Yes, Minister, Sir James Hacker. I'd like a new chair. I hate swivel chairs. Sir Bernard Woolley. It used to be said there were two kinds of chairs to go with two kinds of minister. One sort of folds up instantly, the other sort of goes round and round in circles. <laughs> That's Bernard. How good is that <laughs> yeah, stuff? I know. But, but you know, I mean, really, if I, I, and I, I am no fan of George Osborne, the Chancellor of the Exchequer in Britain, but, I mean, his last two budgets have had a very clear strategy. I, I happen to disapprove of the strategy, but at least it's there. Yep, yep. Um, and there were things in the budget which made that strategy happen. In this budget... What is the strategy? I mean, there's... And, and what is this absolute fixation on these one-off measures? I mean, there are terrible problems in Hong Kong of poverty. There are very bad problems of an increasing gap between good and poor education. Mm -hmm. There are extremely serious problems about the... Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, the, degrada the degradation try saying that on a Tuesday morning, <laughs> of the environment. Now, these are problems that need to be tackled. They won't be tackled by giving everybody in Hong Kong 6,000 bucks, which was the low point of the John Jung financial secretaryship. Think they of the won't... iPads. <laughs> think of the porn. I know, I know. Yeah, thank you, Albert. <laughs> but they won't be solved by knocking, um, you know, $400 Don't off know. the business registration fees. These are all... Totally nonsense, illogical, stupid measures that should never, ever have been considered by any government who has a, cons uh, a coherent strategy. Now, of course, nobody accuses this 
government of having anything approaching that. So all you get is, oh, you know, how many sweeteners? What does that mean? How many sweeteners will there be in this budget? I'm not looking for sweeteners. I'm looking for a fundamental determination to address the problems. And what's what's curious about John Jung, and maybe I shouldn't personalise it because he's just one of a group of people who have no clue, is he says, you know, oh, goodness me, Hong Kong is facing an ageing society. Yeah, uh, actually, actually, son, that's more or less most of the world. That's what happens. But never mind. Uh, that's what happens when you get an increasingly affluent society. Never mind, it's the most of the world. So the solution to that is... Oh, we'll have a one-off rent rebate to blah, blah, blah. How, how on earth is that a strategy? And, you know, oh, um, no doubt there's a new commission bit. Oh, in fact, they already have a poverty commission, and that's produced absolutely stupendous results. Um, answers as to what they are can go on the back of a postage stamp somewhere. You know, I mean, when there is a big problem, even even if the financial secretary identifies it, he quickly follows up by saying, oh, well, this is all too complex for us to handle. So uh, we won't do that. Wasn't there some bloke called uh, Brian um, Confucius who said, give a bowl of rice to a man and you'll feed him for a day, teach him how to grow his own rice and you'll save his life? Yes, that's called education policy. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that's called education policy. That Confucius, I don't know who he is, but yeah. he's onto something there. Nice geezer. He's nice, nice geezer. fella. Nice fella. So we, I knew his sister. We uh, sat here for different reasons yesterday. I mean, Mike and Brian, because they had to follow what was going down me, because I had to make sure nothing blew up. Oh, well done. And I think it took me quite a long time before anything grabbed were you, me. I, I, were I, you awake at any... Uh, uh, I was really. I was, well I, was, I was listening for a bit. Well done. It, it, was, it was sort of like a diluted policy address. I mean, it's people... Surely it's here, you know, here's where we make it, here's where we store it, now what can I do for yeah. you? I mean, if you really have... You, you, you know, there was good advice given to me a long time ago. If you've got nothing to say, shut up. Yeah. So maybe, really, um, the financial secretary would do himself an enormous favour by not not having a budget speech at all and letting his various departments announce all these miserable little plans that they've got because they don't form a coherent whole so there's no point in pretending that they do so just treat them all as one-off little measures and everybody will say oh my goodness there's a lot of one-off little measures they've made again so what did you take away from this i mean i i honestly took away that that, that you've got a Sorry. government that has no focus that was my main overriding impression. I mean, there, there were things in there which were kind of OK, you know, most of which had already been announced or, you know, what have you. Um, there were things in there that aren't strongly objectionable. There were things in there which are bonkers like this new fund. But, hey, you expect the government to have something bonkers in every budget because it's part of the uh, remit that they have. There wasn't even any banana throwing at the beginning. They've started time-releasing themselves, and, check this out, the housekeeping in LegCo was a lot more carefully planned this time, because we were watching on the TV, and uh, the president's going, da 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 here he comes, here he comes to save the day, and all of a sudden, bam, John started. So there was no chance for the guys to throw things. Wily, and then, very and then, wily. And then Lung Kwok Hong does his thing, but he went legging it down the front, because don't forget last time he was on crutches, so they yes. had to put him in a wheelchair. <laughs> he went legging it down the corridor, and all the, all the president said is, stop shouting, and that's all we heard. Yeah. Well, they Where's the fun? Yeah, well, yeah. Fun, budget, not words that you normally put together. Practical stuff, Steve. I mean, it, was, it became a blur after a while. I think it would be... Because don't forget, we were listening to the simultaneous yeah. interpreters who were machine-gunning us. Yeah, but well, that's their job. That's their job, yeah. But, but I, I, <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, I, I 
I just keep returning to this central issue. Yeah. If you don't have a coherent plan, don't pretend that you have. And there is no coherent plan. The big issues have been ducked yet again. Um, and, you know, it's, it's very funny. Well, one of the things that... I mean, listening to John Chung, you've got to have a little chuckle. One of the things he says is, oh, we really must fix the taxation problem because it's, it's not quite right. Next... I think, well, wait a minute. Hang on. Just if we really it. must fix you it, do it, where is your plan? I mean, what are you going to do about it? Oh, there's a problem of ageing. Oh, uh, that's too difficult. Next, uh, education. Oh, there's a lot of that going on. Mm, yes. Um, <laughs> it could be said, I keep going back to Jim Hacker, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Watch Yes Minister and you will understand. Everything. Everything. Uh, Rick says, no focus, no strategy, no plans, no fumbling, I believe is the next word, idea. Yes. That pretty much says it all. Yes. I've got another one here, Steve. Let's see what this is. What's that all about? This is from Tom. It says, Good morning. Always refreshing to have Steve straightforward uh, and always spot on views. You're banned. He said, I'm one... No, here we go. Tom says, I'm one of those people who had a greater hope fading for Hong Kong. The increasing attacks from pro-China groups, for want of a more precise description, worry me. And the lack of police action at a higher level, the youth care group, for example, are often in evidence and no one has to wonder if they are below the police radar, while a teacher swearing gets a lot of attention right up to the throne room, where the, where, where the Regina always sits. Nice one. Uh, <laughs> take... Take care, but keep the investigations going. Mr Lau and his fellow victims in the media over recent years deserve no less. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I'd just like to emphasise one point, in case it wasn't clear from our our earlier discussion before the news break, is I really don't blame the average cop on the beat. My, My experience of them is that they do a pretty good and diligent job. My personal experience is certainly to that effect. I think the problem is the leadership. The problem is right at the top of the force where the determination to get to the root of these attacks and things like that seems to be entirely lacking. So, you know, you've, you, you've got perfectly competent people in the police force. and Which is uh, nice. Which is good. And, you know, I mean, if you have an encounter with, with a policeman in Hong Kong, um, I, I just speak for myself, I've, I don't really recall it being particularly bad. But, you know, what, is, what, what does happen? You have the chief executive. It, 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 Tom's email is 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 quite on on the money on this. You have a chief executive who orders an investigation into one person oh, swearing at the policeman. One person swearing at the policeman. Did he in any any of the instance where people were attacked with choppers by thugs? A la Kevin Lau, a la Albert Chang, a la all the other people who we mentioned. Did that necessitate a special investigation? Or an announcement to that effect? Called called for by the chief executive? No. So you do have to wonder. Um, This loving um, Hong Kong group who who, who Tom refers to... Well, he was talking about... uh, These are the people who turn up at other people's rallies... Um, youth care, he's youth, on about. Oh, sorry, youth but then care. There's the yeah, voice there's of lo- 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 well, I, I always get to them say. all mixed up. <laughs> suffice to say, if you look in the same bag, you might find the same contents. Um, uh, I think the word rent and crowd go together there yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. I, uh, uh, the, do you remember? They had a group of thugs who turned up at the scholarism rallies. <laughs> Passing do you, out envelopes. Do you remember this? I do. And um, <laughs> on, on a very fine um, 
television program by strange coincidence produced by RTHK called The Pulse. We actually had footage of one guy complaining that he hadn't been paid the sum of money he was promised to turn up. He was promised for turning up to this event. Mm. He was not a happy camper. But I mean, this was so blatant. It, it was, you know, here's your 500 bucks, disrupt tomorrow. 